Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome, Marco Mank. I'm really happy to have you back on our podcast. It was quite a few years ago since we had our first meeting, and um, I'm very happy to have you back today on a totally different subject. We're going to have a, a talk about COVID-19. Welcome, Marco. Hello, Matteo. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> And I look forward to our conversation. It's always a pleasure. And how are how are you doing after these hard and never I've never seen before, more or less, times that we've been living in the last few months? Well, I guess uh, we can say I'm tried, as I believe most other people are. Anyway, I'm not so sure it's fair to say these are uh, never seen before times. In, the, in, in a sense it's true this was unprecedented but it was sort of expected I mean it's uh, a decade or so that uh, documents circulate this kind of scenario would happen Indeed, we did not perform uh, at our best uh, as humanity <laughs> it's to say that absolutely and so let's start from here uh, what do you think could be done to well somehow listen to <laughs> scientific people and to doctors uh, and to people who actually see these things coming beforehand and be heard by the general public and particularly by our our governments well, this is a peculiarly tough uh, question to me. I, I, of course, have a conflict of interest in being part of the community of doctors <laughs> and not uh, part of the community of politicians. <laughs> um, to, to be fair, th there has been a moment in the past decade in which we thought we had been sort of heard. And actually, uh, you, you must have seen circulating uh, graphs uh, graphs of these, graphical renditions of these uh, in, in the past uh, months uh, in which they were showing uh, how the infection, the pandemics, was uh, ironically mapping on top of the top scoring countries in terms of uh, declared preparedness for a pandemic. Hmm. So yeah. we, we, we thought that uh, politics had accepted uh, preparedness plans. We thought that uh, measures had been taken to be ready to have stocks uh, of personal protection uh, devices uh, that um, other forms of uh, monitoring on the territory and uh, support for, for individuals at risk had been uh, arranged and I mean it was a cold uh, water bath uh, <laughs> when we realized uh, almost nothing was working so a, a post-mortem uh, analysis of this failure uh, doesn't seem to have too much to do with uh, how we can make doctors heard but uh, if I can be completely blunt how can we keep politics in check Mm. Even when they declare that they are listening to us, we, we need to be sure that they are listening. And, and this is uh, slightly different, uh, if you allow me. Uh, 
Definitely. It would be really interesting to cover this topic in a in a participative sort of way i think there's there's something interesting to <laughs> to be made of that absolutely of course there is no obvious uh, reply to this 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 reminds me of that uh, comic um, that was uh, the watchman you know who is watching the watchman hmm. right yeah so every time you put somebody in control of something how do you verify that, that this uh, people is uh, performing accountably. Uh, This is an interesting problem that has been discussed also by the European Court of of Accounts uh, in the past decade, couple of decades actually, uh, the the drift that our uh, management culture has had from accountability to responsibility. So basically today, uh, most of management seems to be concerned with uh, declaring that they have done what was expected from them in a given uh, settings, even if then there was no effect, no desired effect. So let me put it this way from medicine. In medicine, what counts is the prognosis, okay? Mm -hmm. The, the, The measure of how good medicine has been, how good care and, and a doctor practice has been, is the results for the patients. If you could have uh, lived uh, free of, uh, of a certain condition for 10 years, and whatever health intervention is making you live free from from this condition for 20 years, that's good medicine. Mm-hmm. If instead, you live free from from this condition for five or even ten that's been bad medicine right because it was indifferent or even bad yeah and and this is not related to the fact that you were aware of whatever condition or risk you had and you were taking reasonable steps the point is you are measured by the result there was a time in which, in theory, politics was under the same assumption. Management also was meant to be doing the right thing in the sense of having the right results. Then something broke. I mean, I remember still these conversations concerning how Nokia lost to Apple in uh, terms of smartphone, right? In, uh, of phone dominance. And it was funny to, to, to hear this conversation about Nokia uh, administration at the time claiming they had done no, no mistakes. Yeah. And in a sense, if you look at it from a responsibility point of view, it's true. I mean, they had been keeping doing what they knew was working until a certain point. They completely ignored the fact that uh, certain conditions were changing and they kept doing responsibly what they had been doing successfully until they failed. So there was no mistake, right? I mean, it's not like they changed course and they took the wrong course and they made a mistake. This is like the trolley problem in ethics. Yeah. The, the... Yeah, sorry. No, no, it's... Go on, go on. 
No, 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 please, please. Otherwise, uh, it becomes boring uh, also for the <laughs> listener, I imagine. <laughs> I apologize. With no, that. you are never boring, Marco, don't worry. The. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so somehow it's a classic uh, case of uh, things that change. <laughs> Uh, that you don't, you're not ready to measure uh, and uh, to adapt uh, somehow quickly to the to the changing environment and to the essential uh, flexibility that is needed in to adapt in this complex uh, world and situation somehow. And and also, I, I suppose the the interesting thing is that b- believing in, in in what is going to happen. Um, is is very hard because what we what we notice is that uh, okay it started in China in Asia that was far away from us we are uh, here in Europe and so it's, it doesn't concern us but um, but when it came to Italy <laughs> and uh, very close to, to to us now because we are I mean to us I'm saying I'm based in France so uh, I'm close to to Italy in France uh, French said no it will not happen to us we are much better organized and uh, we are not gonna <laughs> have this problem and so we never believed it it, it would happen uh, while it was quite imaginable that uh, if it had spread uh, so quickly and so strongly, it would very likely be spread worldwide very easily as well. So the, the, this is another fairly complicated issue. The, the, there have been uh, crossing instances of uh, geopolitical games and uh, probably sheer ineptitude in reading uh, data or, uh, well, neglect of data themselves. Um, you, you, you must be hearing that in uh, in the US they are still claiming it's all fault of China for not uh, uh, warning us in time. This is June 2020, like six months after everything uh, hmm. exploded clearly. and And... So, um, we, we, the, the, the way the response has been arranged, we have not been uh, agile, if you allow me the term, in, in this, with real reference to the, to the method. We have not been measuring and uh, navigating as we measured. Mm. We have started trying to give answers and most of the answers were uh, neglect first panic and then uh, oh panic again because uh, what we are doing maybe will stop the disease but will create other problems later not a super rational way of of operating To, to be fair a lot of data were shared by china early on in, in February already, there was even an Alibaba cloud uh, service where all the documents and reports uh, of the response in China to COVID were gathered, made available, and even translated in uh, a few European languages, not in Chinese. And the reports were coming to WHO, but here, geopolitics played a huge role. I mean, we 
as a, as a group of countries played a bit dirty and we started blaming China for uh, being uh, slow, being late, uh, not being uh, as advanced uh, as it was claiming. Uh, um, basically, we were hoping it would thwart their economy. <laughs> At the moment, around the world, there's a huge uh, <clears throat> fight over this uh, dominance, alternance uh, that most believe is already happening between China and the US. Mm. And, and this has been playing slowly over the months, even as the response now was uh, happening in, uh, in the West, the, the attack of the US uh, to the WHO, then the decision of EU, well, Germany at least, to agree with the US that air reform of WHO has to happen to make it more independent of China. Uh, all this has very little to do with what's good for everyone as humans on the planet. Mm. It, it really has to do mostly with uh, how we control the economy. <laughs> there, there was an interesting uh, paper some time ago weeks ago on The Economist that was discussing how China was not going to change the order. It's simply going to use the existing world order, but now with its dominance. It's placing its own, its own uh, representatives in the top uh, international organizations. Hmm. And, and this kind of uh, fights uh, over uh, whether you should trust or not uh, an international organization are going to be seen more often, probably. And they have very little to do with whether the professionals there, who, to the best of my knowledge, have been extremely serious, timely, and professional, hmm. are trustworthy or not. The, the entire problem is geopolitics. Absolutely. Is, is that we are still trying to somehow have a, a, a geolocalized world on a, whereas we really should drive towards a more uniform governance somehow to face the problems that we need to face and solve today. I Inevitably, as, as we grow more connected, I mean, um, 50 years ago, if something like this had emerged would have probably stayed isolated where it emerged. Would have been controlled there. We would have heard of it through the journals. Today, the world is so connected that uh, we are actually in, in the impossibility of saying uh, even we stop flight from a regions, right? I mean, there were a lot of appeals early in February to do something of this kind. But it was basically impossible because people can travel through so intricate paths that you would have to simply close every connection at some point, which is unfeasible economically because we, most of our countries today import even milk, uh, to, to make an example. Now, in an hyper-connected world, you cannot have uh, an hyper-connected uh, economy and uh, transfer of people 
but the governance is uh, arranged in uh, countries, right? <laughs> I mean, th this has been demonstrated in Europe when, uh, as you were mentioning, neighboring countries like France and Italy would think, oh yeah, it's happening there, yeah, it will not happen. I mean, unless you believe in magic, I don't imagine how your imagined line through the Alps that is separating these two countries is going to stop a real virus. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, that's... Uh, <clears throat> mm. in, in, now no, it's, uh, it's a bit more interesting. It looks like... Uh, Europe is trying to reshape its uh, economic tools to support uh, uh, not only recovery, but uh, some sort of uh, late preparedness, mm. so that something like this should not happen again in the most hit countries. This is interesting. Mm. The new missions that have been announced, uh, that are inspired mostly by the discipline of Mariana Mazzucato, are an interesting tool as well. Again, this is uh, hitting the wall uh, of national bureaucracies that are optimized for something completely different at the moment. So that this is a, a problem of democracy in a sense. Mm. The, the question of uh, who watches the watchers is ultimately a, an issue of democracy. Absolutely. Ha have, you, have you spotted any other interesting trends that, that start to, and positive trends of course, that start to come out uh, post-crisis? Just if you, if you have. This is a bit of a difficult question. You know, I tend to be considered a pessimistic person <laughs> by, <laughs> by other people. I, I believe I am realistic, but of course, I think this is the bias of every pessimist. <laughs> the um, positive things, uh, positive, positive trends I've seen. Uh, to be fair, not too many. Uh, th there, there's um, an interesting uh, line of conversation, but this is not so much institutional. Um, that is trying to, after the initial polarization around measures, that is trying to start reflecting on the nuances that are associated with, uh, with measures of, re of response. At the beginning, uh, you have seen uh, uh, pro-lockdown people and anti-lockdown people, pro-mask people and anti-mask people, uh, and all these kind of polarizations. And now, the, the, the general perception is that the situation is bad, but not as terrible, as tragic as at the beginning. In the conversation, you see a space is being gained by conversations concerning, okay, maybe not one size fits all. Lockdown works very well for uh, rich people. There are people that don't have a home or that have very small housing for uh, too many people. This maybe doesn't work for everyone the same way. Masks, idem, maybe masks uh, could be complemented with policies concerning um, you know, the glass protector, the, I don't, the, yeah, the, the, the screen, uh, the screens, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, and and the number of these uh, of these things, but I, I I've also seen uh, horrific uh, uh, changes, or or anyway, maybe not changes, but uh, manifestations of, of of failures of the systems. Just yesterday, I was reading that in the US FDA has identified hand um, sanitizers that uh, contains up to eighty percent of methanol. <laughs> which is terribly toxic, even if you absorb it through the skin. I mean, this is, we have had issues of this kind all over the response to the, to the pandemics. In Italy, there have been attempts to sell to the national health system non-certified, non up to the standards. The problem is not just that they are not certified, but not up to the standards devices of protection that then should have been used by doctors that were exposed to the infection. I mean, th there has been a general profiteering and uh, th that I'm not sure how will be prosecuted later. Mm. Th th this, is, uh, this is a problem. I mean, now there is a, a weird culture that everything should be nudged. Okay, if you want to, we, we should in, invite you to pay taxes. You have to be happy to pay taxes. Like, if you are not happy, you, how can we force you? We are forgetting that there are responsibilities that are duties. I mean, whether you like it or not, it's a duty. It's for the good of everyone. And uh, I mean, you cannot remember of duties. Uh, when it's up to, I don't know, lockdown because you have uh, 500 um, square meters uh, mansion uh, in the center uh, of Paris and you want uh, the people in the banlieue to be closed because this way business will uh, start as soon as possible. But uh, then you forget your duties when it's up to paying your taxes. Clearly more... Anyway, the, the yeah. No, there the really should be more transparency, more measure, more watching the watchers, uh, as you say, and uh, and the global governance to to somehow drive drive towards uh, a more cohesive and uh, coherent response uh, and solution. And well, uh, and then uh, this whole dream of of uh, somehow changing what motivates people going to the roots of motivation of why people do things <laughs> yeah yeah well as instance speaking of uh, global governance imagine that uh, in italy there are uh, regions like lombardy where uh, you cannot have open data concerning uh, the infections mm. so they will announce periodically how many cases they have with the arbitrary granularity and, and uh, you you have no access to the data. And I can understand that sometimes raw data have some sort of strategic uh, meaning uh, and you need to delay access because uh, whatever, you are preparing uh, your own narratives. But when it comes to to public health, and you are trying to coordinate a response uh, with your neighbors and uh, with society, ultimately. All this obscurity, I mean, it doesn't suit very well uh, 2020, at least. 
Clearly. Maybe in, in a different uh, decade, uh, this would have worked well because the perception of the relationship with the state was different. But today, society is used uh, to have at least the feeling of being involved in a lot of stuff. Mm. And when suddenly what counts becomes uh, imperscrutable, uh, doesn't leave a great taste, uh, doesn't invite participation. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, when it counts the most, right? I mean, it's... Uh, the funny thing is uh, this happens when in reality it would count the most. Uh, um, what, what do you think we should do? Uh, well, rather, how do you think we should adapt uh, now in the post-COVID, hopefully to prevent uh, another lockdown? Because I suppose another lockdown just cannot happen again. And uh, today we should be able to somehow avoid it or not. This is an interesting question. So, um, the, 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 it's not all in our control, first of all. Mm. Okay, it's... Um, let, let's imagine that uh, now, while the situation is a bit more relaxed, uh, the virus spreads uh, under some under the radar reservoir, whether this is people or animals, it's indifferent. And then with the, with the coming of a new boundary condition, season, uh, some new infection, it explodes. And of course, now it's not exploding from one or two cases, but it is uh, seeded all over uh, our society. Responding without lockdown would be tragically difficult, to say the least. Especially for a virus that we still have not fully clear how it's passing from, from person to person. I mean, you see a lot of activists and communication experts that are showing how when they cough on a petri dish the petri dish is full of bacteria or stuff like that but yeah we knew this thank you but th those are bacteria this is a virus um, th this virus is also shed uh, through intestinal uh, activities uh, hmm. it's a bit complicated uh, and, and so if, even though we are focusing on super spreaders uh, from breathing events, I'm, I'm still not fully convinced uh, that's how it happens. Mm. Um, but that's personal. I mean, that's, uh, that's the doubt. Okay. Now, the, 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 the point is uh, what we seem to learn from from countries that have had uh, a more successful uh, response if we look taiwan if we look uh, japan mm -hmm. it looks like uh, very basic things that actually we have been trying to teach africa for for a while during ebola response as instance like uh, networks uh, of uh, general practice services so very close 
to society, very close to the family, not industrial, healthcare professionals, seem to be the most general response to any infection. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot of conversations, even Ursula von der Leyen yesterday, I think, or two days ago, was mentioning that we are investing and doing everything possible to have a vaccine as soon as possible. Yes, but then are we in neglect of the fact that it's over a decade, that WHO warns everyone that this kind of event will happen more and more often in the future? Mm-hmm. This kind of events doesn't mean this disease. It means this kind of events mm. with other diseases. Are we focusing every time to only be able to respond after we have a vaccine? I mean, we will never have vaccines for everything, not in advance. And if you look at the countries that have been more capable of isolating the spread, These have been countries that had uh, an health and social care that would uh, be close to the citizens, close to the families, to the individuals. Very uh, empowered to arrange uh, a response of support for these people so that they would get what was needed to self-isolate or to start uh, caring for themselves and avoiding spreading, not self-isolating in in the sense of uh, necessarily locking down, but uh, I don't know if it's needed wearing masks, uh, if it's needed wearing uh, visors, uh, uh, gloves, uh, disinfecting the house, uh, receiving help uh, in cleaning uh, whatever environments they were they had been exposed to so, this so, stuff works okay. for everything okay. not just for uh, for so, covid so a more capillary close network uh, of um, health assistants health doctors that can really quickly respond on very short and geolocalized uh, needs that can adapt and help the population adapt to the specific uh, Yes, but you see, in the 70s, this was general practice, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not like we are inventing the, the wheel. In, in the 70s, we had it in Italy, we had it in the UK, we had it in Germany. Well, Germany still has it more than, than many other countries. Okay. It's called general practice, the family doctors, mm-hmm. right? I mean, as, as we move away from this model, because we are trying to transform healthcare in a form of profitable industry hmm. where we invest most uh, in those uh, healthcare enterprises uh, that are performing uh, high impact high cost uh, let's call it high value interventions the, the more we take away from from these uh, population proximal uh, healthcare system and this has an impact hmm. it's inevitable the, the the so-called inverse law of care the idea that care is more uh, available there where it's less needed hmm. comes basically from this you know where 
where you are richer, you tend to produce uh, more so-called high-value interventions, but where value it's uh, an approximation of cost more than it is uh, value in the real sense. Hmm. And this is the industrial hospital of today. Sorry, yeah. We lost uh, somehow the, the, the sense of, uh, of healthcare to, to, to make it a business. Well, at least we, we lost the sense of care to make mm. healthcare a business. Mm. Okay. I'm not saying we, we, we should go back. I'm not a Luddite. Uh, of course, uh, there's a lot that is fantastic in, in today's practice of healthcare. Uh, we have understood a lot uh, about risks that we did not know 30 years ago. We have, un we have technologies uh, that are extremely useful. Nevertheless, we should keep in mind that this is not a justification to go all in on just one form of healthcare enterprise and forget that public health is made by being close to the people. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Those areas in France uh, where uh, they have few or no GPs. Yes. These are uh, I mean terrible for, for 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 who lives there in general. But these are also an, an extreme potential risk. Because you will only notice what's going on there once it's already impacting the industrial system. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the contact tracing applications can help somehow to, to at least monitor quickly and uh, no, but because it's not self-done, you still need a GP to give you the code and so on. I'm just uh, no, no. I mean, you you could even do it yourself, but uh, it's a bit like asking me if uh, insurances should uh, reimburse uh, self-reported. Uh, <laughs> diseases or accidents uh, without double checking i'm sure industry uh, insurance industries would would be quite against it now the point with uh, health apps and, and monitoring apps i think has, it has been made several times already uh, to the public first of all a cathedral in the desert where you have a monitoring app but uh, the country is not testing the population, it's completely useless. Mm. Yeah. Because how are you going to um, feed the cases that you have to track if you are not identifying the cases? Mm. Then there are other, other issues. I mean, th this, kind of, uh, this kind of things could be useful in, a, in the context of a larger effort to try also to disentangle the, the dynamics of, of, of diffusion of the disease. So let, let's imagine you need at some point the massive effort of tracing the contacts uh, of subjects to follow the diffusion of, of, of a pandemic. It is acceptable if you are doing this to learn as much as possible and to arrange your response so that at some point 
you will be able to sprint and stop it in its course. At the moment, there's no talk, no arrangement of this, even ignoring the fact that we are not testing, and this is already a problem. All the idea is we will use the monitoring app so that we will tell you you have been exposed to somebody probably. And that's it. And, and this is our steady state. It's not a great social contract. I mean, at, at the moment, we have on, on one hand a completely inductive uh, logic uh, that is dominating the epidemiology. So we, we treat the population as a pool uh, of uh, spheres uh, of ray one uh, that are randomly moving uh, in the country with a certain probability of uh, having a transmission uh, when they contact uh, one uh, infected element and a certain initial number of infected elements. Com utterly unrealistic hypothesis. And honestly, it's a bit funny to, to, to see people working this way in 2020 when for decades we have been talking of networks, uh, social networks, um, smart cities. Uh, so we, we could try to work out uh, on a more uh, hypothesis and falsification based uh, program where we try to have structures in the population, where we try to figure out uh, how this is uh, diffusing, uh, whether there are uh, small groups that are more at risk than others and how these are connected to the others. This is something that is being implicitly done. I mean, I've, I've heard uh, public health officers talking about uh, uh, trying to reopen, but uh, uh, hanging out only with small groups of people, right? Mm -hmm. So this generates a, a, a small granularity of the population so that you can close one small group instead of closing everything when it happens. But if you want to push on the population a tracking uh, monitoring app, a, a social contract where you try to extract uh, stru realistic structures to inform your epidemiological models to then anticipate the disease would be the minimum, right? And in these, the, the idea of testing uh, is fundamental. I, I don't remember ever reading uh, an officer from Taiwan, Korea, or uh, Singapore saying, we think it was a success uh, to use the tracking uh, app. I remember all of them saying, well, it was a marginal increase. Uh, testing has been the secret weapon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, this is very clear. And that's enough. I mean, then, then there are all the other issues uh, on, on, uh, on, on privacy and all the rest. But the first question is why? Mm -hmm. And I think the why is not sustaining itself. So all the other problems should not even be faced. I mean, if you don't have enough reason to deploy a tracking system, the, the issues of privacy are irrelevant. Absolutely. It should not be happening. Yeah. Very clear.
Okay. Marco, we, we are reaching uh, the, the last few minutes of the podcast. I would like to know if you want to add something special, something that you'd like to, to share that we haven't covered, um, some good okay. practice. Okay, I hear you again. Yeah. Oh, I can you, hear you again. Uh, you had lost me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I sorry. Sorry. Uh, so um, we're reaching the final uh, minutes of, of our podcast. I would like to know if you want to add something specific that we haven't covered, some best practices that you'd like to share, or something that, uh, that you still want to add. No, most of all, I would like to thank you for your patience, uh, oh. adding <laughs> me again and chatting with me despite my... <laughs> It's not, a, it's not a question of patience. It's really fantastic to have the opportunity to talk, to have a chat with you, Marco. I'm really happy. Always. Thank you. It's my pleasure.